Welcome to Future of Tech, hosted by Avishai Sharlin, Division President of Amdocs Technology. In this podcast, Avishai sits down with some of the most innovative minds in technology to learn how they are disrupting the present and what kind of impact they hope to have in the future. From the machine learning programs that are solving some of the world's biggest problems to what AI can do to help fight biological bottlenecks in human thinking, no topic is off limits. So sit back, relax, and maybe take some notes because what you hear on this show might just be a glimpse into the future. Very few things have accelerated the need for digital transformation within business as much as the adoption of the public cloud. With so much happening in the public cloud or in hybrid clouds, and considering the innovation and applications that are being built specifically for cloud, it would be foolish for a business to ignore that movement or not to optimize its processes to work in a cloud environment. But digital transformation is not easy. On this episode of Future of Tech, Lakshmi Sharma, the Director of Product Management, Network Experience, Performance, Reliability and Solutions at Google Cloud, breaks down exactly what digital transformation looks like today and how Google Cloud is being put to use in the process. Lakshmi explains the definition of digitization today, and she discusses where AI and the edge can be built into the process. Plus, she predicts the future of building business infrastructure and explains why we need to start thinking about IT infrastructure the same way we think about running water and electricity. Enjoy this episode. Future of Tech is brought to you by Amdocs Tech. Amdocs Tech is Amdocs' R&D and technology center, paving the way to a better connected future by creating open, innovative, best-in-class products and continuously evolving the way we work, learn, and live. To learn more about Amdocs, visit the Amdocs technology page on LinkedIn. Lashmi, welcome to a new episode of uh, Future of Tech. Thank you so much. So how, how did you first encounter technology? Was it school time or uh, university? When was your first in interaction with technology? It was school, high school, when um, they bought a computer. It, was, uh, it used to be sitting inside like two rooms. At the end of the room, you will kind of leave your shoes outside. You will go and you will touch and play and feel. Uh, that was my 12th grade. Uh, but beyond that, then in college, I did my bachelor's in physics. So um, there was no, I was always in science and trusted in science, physics, mathematics. I was really good in all of them, uh, but no computer science. So uh, technology as such, I would say I was, there was a lot of science, but there was not like computer IT or something. So my first interaction with computer was really in master's. So that's when I did my master's in computer sciences in India. And then that was my first time kind of interacting with computer. Right. And today in, in, in Google, what is your uh, official and, you know, what, what are you dealing with beside cloud and which is obvious in like Google, but what else? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm director for product management for networking. I joined here three years plus ago. Uh, we, were, we were still growing, like we were, we, Google had changed their direction from consumer to enterprise focused cloud. 
and we were in the growth phase, right? Okay, now we know we have to grow. We know we have we are an enterprise business. So uh, since then, a lot of things have happened. And uh, I say that one of the things that have happened is Thomas Kurian joined Google Cloud. And uh, that brought a lot of uh, diversity in terms of the people that we brought in, the thought process that we have, like how to work with enterprise customers, how to work with different industry types. So what I do in my role is that I look at end-to-end customer experience for networking. Uh, how do you onboard a customer and activate a service onto networking, whether it is from connectivity to uh, monetization, to optimization, to performance, to efficiency, compliance, end-to-end, you know, horizontal uh, performance benchmarking. So in my current role, I'm responsible for delivering that entire end-to-end customer experience, be it for an industry or be it for a horizontal. And when I say industry, you know, that's pretty obvious, like, uh, say healthcare and financial and public sector. And when I say horizontal, may not be so obvious, but Google Cloud is, you know, we operate in, in a solution delivery model, which means like we have customers who come and say, we want infrastructure modernization. Then customers say, I want application modernization or data management or data migration. So we have organized our say, sales and customer face thinking into these horizontals and these industry verticals. So my team is responsible for bringing networking into each of those solutions as well. So I do all of that. And in addition to that, like, you know, my personal uh, goal is always to continue to mentor and educate and sponsor. So I, I do a lot of sponsoring. I help new product managers understand how to, you know, get into Google's process. I coach outside, I've done I've taught hundreds of people like last year outside Google, like on cloud technologies. And then there was so many needs, so much need. People were losing jobs. And in different countries, people were sitting home. So I leveraged that opportunity to just reach out to LinkedIn and say, hey, I'm running this you know, IT or cloud technologies or Google technologies course. Would somebody be interested? Then hundreds of people joined me and I coach them. I help people update their resumes. So I've been, last year, I've been, doing a lot more, but that's just my personal passion in addition to what I do. Before we go deep into what you do in your daily life, let's call it, you know, the digital revolution we're experiencing today is kind of a buzzword. How do you define the, the transformation or the digital transformation in, in your words? So digital uh, transformation starts from, you know, like say the word, as the word says, that digitizing, what does that mean? being able to access your services and your business from anywhere, whether you as an employee of that company or you are a user or consumer of services that that business offers, right? So you have to be looking at the experience of connecting to business services, operating that business from anywhere at any point with any scale, right? So all of that comes into play. And why do we even do that, right? So why, why should we even care about digitization? Because of the growth in the means of accessing the business, right? So the, the biggest, I think, trend that came after, the biggest trend that came after internet evolution was the you know, use of mobile devices, right? Use of bring your own devices to work or to wherever you are, being able to access anything anywhere and the amount of mobile devices that came in, you know, just created this need of digitizing. And 
the business in, in the current form that they were running, right, on-prem infrastructure, legacy infrastructure, appliances, and how they were managed, they couldn't scale to that growth, global growth of access anywhere uh, kind of the business, right? So I think, so, uh, in my opinion, so modernizing or you know transforming your infrastructure in order to adapt the need of like the consumers and the users and the workers of today required that need of you know going to internet, going to web, or going to mobile devices or any kind of device experience. So that requires transformation on both the sides, the user side, which is a mobile experience as well as the infrastructure side, because otherwise it cannot scale. And when you're looking into a digital transformation today, was it changed in the last several years as opposed to, let's say, three, five years ago? Yes, it has changed quite a bit. So the thing that has changed 10 years ago, seven, eight years ago, cloud was a thing, right? People kind of, you know, new cloud is there. Some people were kind of, you know, talking about cloud. People started with private cloud, like, you know, or we all know that OpenStack and then we started with some form on-prem, right? And uh, the devices and tools for all that virtualization. So there was still a debate like, you know, this cloud, whether it's a private cloud or a public cloud, and especially when you talk about, say, even if, if I talk about network infrastructure, uh, network function, NFV was there, but it wasn't so mature, right? People were still debating between VMs and containers, and it's like one form of container versus another. So I think the technology and the direction was there, but the adoption wasn't there off cloud. So the, what has happened in past, I would say five years, uh, three to five years is adoption to public cloud. So the hybrid has become real and there is no debate that, you know, whether cloud public cloud will happen or not. And there is also a lot more consolidation and acceptance of the technologies that cloud is driving or this transformation is driving, right? We all know that containers are a real thing. There is no more this talk of about like, oh, containers do not bring the mobility of the data, right? Containers are not so secure. Like, you know, so we have GKE. We, we already see that GKE is such a huge factor in the application modernization journey of customers. We have services built on top. I think that's what has happened. Uh, consolidation or agreement on what services uh, and how customers will modernize services, how CI, CD, and DevOps will happen in order to deliver those services and the journey towards cloud. So these applications and these services and how do you modernize and this infrastructure I talked about, uh, whether it's containers, whether it is the tools, like you know the tools, DevOps tool that you use, that layer is becoming, uh, you know, it can exist on both private cloud as well as public cloud. So the tools are becoming more consistent and also the adoption of public cloud or hybrid cloud or multi-cloud is real. Yeah. And in that sense, where do you see today's bottlenecks when, when we're speaking about digitized uh, modernization? So, so what's happening is that as you go towards, as I said, like, so what has happened is hybrid cloud is real, which means customers have decided certain applications for some time will remain on-prem. On some will go to hybrid. So the first challenge that comes in is that how do I manage, say, uh, what data do I keep where, right? So that, that conversation is still going, especially for regulated industries. So it's healthcare or it is like financial. So what data do I put where? And how often do I, you know, say, uh, do a compliance check for on-prem versus uh, data in cloud, right? And uh, how do I do a single pane of glass of operations? 
because you don't want to be, you want to go self-serve, right, in cloud, because that's why people come to cloud. But then can I just use a single pane of glass for two sites? Can I manage my configuration in same view? And can I do a data, do I have a data management policy which I can put in common place? So being able to operate and manage consistently on both on-prem or in a hybrid structure is the biggest kind of challenge today. You don't want to be putting like two kinds of task force, right? So one will manage on-prem and one will, you know, in the end, another team will use cloud. Because that's what I did, right? So I was at, uh, you know, I was also at a retail company and then I worked with many other retail and other industries. Um, so when, so four or five years ago, that's how, you know, organization used to transform. They would say, okay, this is my traditional IT team, databases team, compute team, storage team. And then I go and build a cloud team. And then I build a cloud platform team. Then I build an API team, right? So they were these, they could exist in silos because they were still testing and validating what platform APIs to use. But you cannot do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So now how do you kind of converge to a platform or to an API framework that can give you a single pane and single way of management so that you have this right view across all your resources and you can manage and operate them consistently, I think is the biggest challenge that cloud providers like us are trying to manage through platforms like Anthos, like you know things like Traffic Director. So that's the trend, and that's where they need help. Okay, interesting. And do you see companies that are trying now to go through this process being uh, blocked by certain factors? Are they still being held in the all disciplines, or they are already transformed? Where do you see the blockers in today's? different uh, environments and and do you see them different between one vertical to another meaning like uh, maybe it's tougher to do it in banking or it's easier to do it in in healthcare or you you got it i'll i'll start from because you already know <laughs> i'll start from the you know, what you already said right so yes the trends and patterns are different based on the industry so if you look at retail like you know we all know that you know, a couple of years ago as the digitization started and then uh, especially like, you know, last year with COVID, the retail saw the apocalypse like, you know, before anybody else. They had an urgency to digitize and modernize, right? Started with omnipresent experience and then it went on to converged experience. So they had a need, right? They had to do it. And then others could wait. So yes, it is industry driven that where in their journey they are. So I would say retail is, way ahead compared to other industries, e-commerce, retail, and e-commerce could be also for these cloud native companies, right? So um, if we look at financials, FSI, FinTech, so while I say that traditional FSI, right, traditional financial institutes, um, uh, like say big banks and then uh, big exchanges, they have so much of regulation and they have so much of data and so much of policies that they have to adhere to that they have, they are taking time while they have, in fact, acknowledged and accepted that they also need to transform, right? They have already acknowledged and accepted, and there are a lot of external public news about different cloud providers working with banks and exchanges. So we ourselves have announced recently that we have partnered with Deutsche Bank, for example, uh, to help them with transform and also co-innovate with them, right? So in case of, for example, retail, there is an acceptance to, yes, e-commerce will, will go to cloud. Then... PCI workload will go to cloud also, right? So over time, they have gone from uh, not so mission-critical application to mission-critical application because they have started to trust the 
security, encryption, policies of cloud. But now coming to FSI, they each of them, based on the country and the continent they are, they are, they have different, different data residency requirements, they have different data policies. So that is also driving data residency over time, is also driving how infrastructure needs to be defined, right? And designed, because your policy will be to not just keep the data, but data in transit, data at rest, you have to take care of all, all of them, right? When you get to kind of a financial-like industry. So in that industry, they are slow for right reasons because those kinds of in, uh, infrastructure modernization has not happened. So a company like Doshimank, we will, be, we will be working more like in co-innovation form, right? Hey, we know that we can migrate certain things, like, but for others, uh, you know, we will work with you and we will find like right SLA for you, right SLO for you, because it's very, very important, right? They run at like six nines, seven nines for application. I'm not even talking about infrastructure, right? So how do you get to that level of compliance and SLO, SLA availability? And then you need to be contractually doing it, right? So how do you visualize all of that? You know, to be able to show that, yes, my traffic is here, it's not leaving and nobody else is touching it. And I can almost certify this for you, just for you, not for rest of my infrastructure. That requires like, innovation at each layer, intra layer, observability layer, application layer, right? Management layer, all of that. So they're on different journey, right? So um, retailers versus FSIs and healthcare. Healthcare last year, it accelerated, right? So as you saw, like drug discovery, contact tracing, right? Patient experience, everything went online. So we, we partner, you know, we formed a deal with Mayo Clinic, like I think, I think it was early last year. So you can see that the companies which would not have transformed, like would not have thought about going, accelerating their cloud journey, they have. So, but they're all in different parts of where they are in migration and what kind of technologies. Mostly these latter kind of industries partner more in co-innovation, co-development and understand each other, right? And take time and versus others where there is more maturity in terms of what they want to adopt. Nice. And let me know, Google by itself is a giant consumer of cloud technology. Everything you're doing is obviously based on the cloud. So over the years, the company contributed a lot to the community, different technologies and different protocols. In a sense, you know, your customers are experiencing probably some of the hurdles that Google as a business also experience at some point. So... If someone wants to engage the Google ecosystem, how does he enjoy things that you already solved and not necessarily, or, you know, is something that you've made public? Uh, is it something that he can enjoy or is it something that um, he gets from you? Or? Yeah, that is an awesome question. In fact, uh, the year I joined, so one of the things we, we were looking at was that because Google as a company migrated to cloud, right? And then we as a corporate IT, right? Say Google IT and Google engineering and are we and Google's own services, are they, you know, have we migrated them? What was our journey, right? Because we were also migrating all of them. So we as a customer of our own services, right? Customer of cloud, right? Our Google services as a customer of cloud. And can we share this, this experience with other customer, right? Who would be also similar customers like us. Say there's a collaboration company, right? There's a contact center company. We have our contact center kind of offering. We have Meet, which is collaboration. SO, and then autonomous cars. I mean, all kinds of industries we are. So yes, we 
we in fact deliberately we took that approach of uh, leveraging our experiences and creating a cohort of like CIOs and CTOs of other companies and bringing our own IT engineering and uh, leadership from that org with the CIOs and CISOs and bringing our CIOs and CISOs of Google and Google Cloud and then we brought a cohort and started to experience and exchange exchange the experiences because just because we as google built our it and we can run it in cloud doesn't mean that like you know other we can't learn from others right so we have been doing that deliberately we have been sharing our knowledges and we have been also learning from others and uh, you know and then kind of through this co-innovation and cooperation model we continue to exchange technologies as well as our experiences so we we do that very regularly right i'd like to touch briefly ai what well, how do you see and again it's a buzzword that everybody is using so i would like to understand your view about the angle of ai and and where and how it can help us uh, in the digital transformation so as an it leader i'm given a budget which is a percentage of the revenue your budget is say 1% of everything it is 2% you shouldn't be spending more than this much percent on security you shouldn't be spending this more than this much percent on run, just running infrastructure so there is a different kind of budget that exists in an it uh, for an it leader like a vp or cio ceo and that's how i have operated my infrastructure when i was in that that role so one one the moment i come to cloud i'm given a vision that yes you will be able to do self operate you don't have to worry about infrastructure you can only worry about your business and applications so it starts by making your infrastructure self serve and that's where one piece of ai ml come in and that's not a buzzword that is just a reality and that you have to have right so you have like say 80000 100000 vms running so being able to not worry about whether i'm using the right kind of right shape for my vm whether i'm using it in the right region and then optimizing it and giving you recommendation all the time for what works best for your uh, you know application then or if you set up a policy that my data would not leave this or only these kinds of identities can access this kind of application then always you know in the background always checking it for you and giving you alert and giving you recommendation for you know uh, behaviors of how people are looking at data right so behavior and analysis at the infrastructure level at the data level so there are lot of these ways in which ai ml is used in the background right at the infrastructure level and without that optimizing so as i said optimizing uh behavior of identities and giving threats you know threat intelligence and um, you know optimizing of logs so insights into your system hey i am i'm running this infrastructure for 3 years and i don't know when know where my firewall policy is what my nat rule is so looking at all of that for you and then understanding your intent over time intent of your configuration intent of your users accessing the information and intent of the how the data is traffic you know traversing your uh, your application and network and then putting all of that intent and making a model out of it and keep comparing you know keep creating data sets of that model and then keep comparing it to you know given insight to the user without them even asking that hey by the way you had 10000 rules this is never getting used do you still intend to use it and this kind i see this alert from the site i've never seen it right this person accessing this data do you think this is the right thing to do 
So I think so at infrastructure level, behavior, insights, intent, and creating policies and generating policies so that you don't have to worry about compliance, where your data is, whether you, how much money you are spending versus how much resources are you utilizing. That at least in Google Cloud is all AI ML driven. So we, we have a goal towards what we call self-driving cloud. We launched a product portfolio called Active Assist. And then there's a product in under networking called Network Intelligence Center. The goal of that product is to give you insights and recommendations and anomaly detection. So it is very much real on the infrastructure side. So let's, let's touch briefly the infrastructure side. What's the future you see for infrastructure? Is infrastructure dead and we're all moving to a kind of a utility mode or you still see us, uh, you see expertise and challenges over there? You're always giving me a clue into my next answer, which is so cool. So you, you use what utility, right? So I think like infrastructure is utility. It has, will become and is moving towards like any utility, right? So you have electricity, you have water, right? So you should be able to just get water regardless of where you are, and then you get a bill, right? So, but you are using it for various other things, but you don't want to be worried about how it is delivered to you, right? Similarly, like electricity. So I think, and there is a term that is being used in infrastructure world, that is infrastructure. There was a time when we used to say infrastructure as a code, but that's from an engineer per side, right? Infrastructure as a code. Yeah. And then we started to get into like, you know, service as a code, like, you know, because the service meshes came in and then like, you know, things like Istio, service mesh, traffic directors, they came in. And then now the trend is infrastructure as a utility. Infrastructure should exist for you and then it should serve your business. But there is a lot of work to do in order for somebody to be able to do that, right? So. I am sitting in like, you know, India or I'm sitting in like Australia and I need to be able to just access this application, the service or the business, wherever it is, grow automatically, be compliant automatically, right? Be operated automatically and the bill be generated. And I should just see that, wow, it's so easy for me to read it. So making this all so seamless and so error-free and so error-prone and so error-free, not prone. So it takes a lot of magic in engineering and operations and tooling. So the demand for people who understand infrastructure and that to end to an infrastructure that we are described, data and then you know, platform, data and API and then application platform and infrastructure and hardware, means people like who could understand and visualize all of that and deliver that with something just called an API anywhere on any device. That's what is needed. So the demand and requirement for people who understand infrastructure, like these components, right, databases, storage, all of that, is way more than ever, especially in cloud. You know. Tell me about it. I'm trying to hire them. It's very hard. See, <laughs> you exactly know. I know that you know somebody like you know you and know your background very well. So, so it is not easy. Like you know, your company has been there for so long, right? And then. It's just magic, right? Because then magic is not easy to understand. Magic only happens when you become an expert at it, right? Doing over and over and over. So to me, that's what infrastructure is. It, it, without this, there is nothing. You have to think about regions. You think about zones. You have to think about undersea cables. Like you have to, you have to just think about like where compute sits and variety of compute, variety of you know, frequency type. How do you access storage? How do you access data? So these are all infrastructure people, right? So uh, it's just way more than before. Yeah, you've mentioned 
a person in India and a person in Australia, this is the easiest part. How about new places on earth that Google is not there yet? How do you decide where are the next uh, locations and, and, and should you open you know, one location or several in, in, you know, in huge countries? What's the process or the thinking process behind it? Since I'm a product manager, this answer is easy. <laughs> it's like wherever the customer need is, right? Where the customer demand is. So we continue to get signals, right? So I want to which I always say that being in Google, like we are fortunate, right? We are very fortunate because we have a brand and then customers want to work with us. Yeah. So we are very thankful for that. So we always have demands. And as a product manager, we keep seeing those signals, right? All the time, because I'm talking to customers every day, like, you know, around the clock, like I'm meeting customers, talking to them and not just me, like everybody in Google is. So it's really kind of bringing all those needs and demands and then prioritizing them. And then we go like, you know, and kind of based on the priority, we just kind of decide where we are. One thing which we don't do and don't, you know, don't do typically, I would say, is that we don't rush that just because somebody else has started something somewhere, we will do it. We are absolutely user, 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 and customer-driven organization. So we go where our customers take us. So in that sense, where do you see edge computing come into life or fruition within the Google ecosystem? Yes, I love that question. And uh, my team is just uh, going to publish a white paper uh, on what edge means for Google. So I'll send you a link when the, you know, the blog is live. So edge computing... What does edge means to us? I think first of all, I'll kind of describe what edge means to us. Edge is uh, Google Pops, right? Edge is where somebody can connect with us at just one hop, right? I can just jump onto this edge, right? At this location. So physically that's location. And what does that, what is that location called? And what do we do there? So that location can be, is called Google Pop. That location could be say our, uh, what do we call CDN Pops or say, YouTube uh, caches. So anywhere where you can come and connect with us, like fastest, soonest, is an edge for us. And what all do we do there, right? So what today and what do we intend to do? If you would have seen our recent announcements in telco, we are going full on, like, you know, full force with all our capabilities and hiring a lot of great people and talent and investing a lot into telco. So you having so much of background in telco, you know, you know, you you would appreciate that edge for telcos is like different kinds of, you know, in today's world, right? You have we have separated uh, the kinds of applications and the processing that you do at that edge of like, and I'm talking about cloud provider edge. I'm not talking about like enterprise edge here. So edge for us is that location where you can come in at the lowest latency, and you can go to Google services at the in the fastest amount of time, and again, the shortest amount of time, you can get the highest reliability access to non-Google services, because wherever possible, we will take you through our backbone, you know, just one hop from one edge to any other part of the world, one edge to another part. So you can use our backbone as a service, and you can go to any peering location, anything that we peer with, anything that we can go fastest to, right? Any other, say, you know, another video video provider, SaaS company. So from our edge, because we can, we have access to thousands of those providers. We have peered with them over years. So we can take you to those, any of those SaaS providers, any of those ISPs, any of those providers, 
just as you are directly paired with them. So our definition of edge is that we can, you come in like shortest latency or lowest latency, and then you, wherever possible, wherever required, we take you over our backbone to another edge location to compute, to process, and anything that you need to do at edge. Or we take you right from this edge to anywhere in the world, like where we can reach with the same you know, SLAs and same peering, same reliability, same availability. So that's our vision of what we call edge. And we do have like, you know, uh, and the way we are kind of moving there, like, you know, you would have heard like Anthos is our, say, hybrid, multi-cloud, say, distributed cloud platform. Uh, you know, Anthos is the way that we operate, go beyond GCP. And even if you want to go on-prem or you want to go to edge, so leveraging the same platform and same integration of APIs into that platform, regardless of where you are, gives you that application level view in the platform and the manageability and leveraging our own physical distribution of these locations, COPS and CDN and all of that brings you that bottoms up infrastructure. So that's kind of our strategy of how we describe edge and how we believe that our edge and location and infrastructure all the way from platform to the infrastructure would be the fastest and uh, you know same experience as you have for Google services. Yeah, got you. And if one of our you know, listeners is a CIO or a CEO and he says, look, this uh, Google technology is beautiful and I like it, but this is you know, Google and they have you know, um, a lot of engineers and infrastructure technologies and, and all of that. How can you assist him uh, work better because his technology or his existing technology is not the one you know, that can take him to this journey. So how can Google assist such companies to, to, to change or to move into uh, the new world? So there are like you know, three categories of customers that come in and many categories, but from uh, I'm responding to from how we take them through a transformation journey, right? So there are some that they said that, uh, like, you know, I have tested and tried with VMs. I understand that. And I just, I'm just having difficulty scaling it globally, right? I'm in more than one continent. And then it's becoming difficult for me to manage, but I, I'm a VM, I know. So for them, we just come in and like, you know, and a little bit add like how we operate in solution mode. So we have a group called infrastructure modernization specialist groups, and they are used to, you know, going through this discovery phase of what applications do you have? So we kind of go through that discovery, assess and migrate. We have acquired a lot of assets in that space, right? We acquired a company called Stratazone, which, which is primarily you bring in on-prem, you discover all your assets, it will spit out a report, and then you know that what can be migrated for you, right? Because we do that like, you know, very closely with an organization. Then we have products like, you know, we are introducing product, which is called IAM Recommender, we have VPN Recommender, Firewall Recommender, where we can look at these, you know, whatever has been discovered, and then we use these recommenders to say that, oh, you would need like, you know, because you have demand for so much of data, so much of petabytes get migrated every day. So you can use this kind of, you know, those many VPN tunnels and things like that. But then we also acquired a company like, you know, which is, you know, a couple of years ago and which is based in Israel, which is Velostrata, which is now called uh, Migrate for GCE or and Migrate for Anthos or Anthos for Migrate. So that can, with a push button, can migrate all of that. So make it easy for you. So, but all of this is to migrate VMs or you can, you don't even have to have 
uh, go from VM to VM. You can go from VM to container. So we do that like you know very collaboratively with that customer. That first we understand like you know what applications whether they go to VM whether they go to container. And last year we also launched bare metal services. So customers used to come and they said, no, I want to use this thing called NetApp as is. And I want the similar experience, similar service that this company offers. So we also introduced a concept called managed partner service where we can bring in a third party, which is say NetApp in this case, and you know Oracle services uh, in another cases, and put them onto this bare metal service, which and the experience is as if you are getting a GCP service. So you can get an API and then you can go and procure these services in our marketplace and you would get as if it was sitting on-prem. So we are doing, and we have, we have efforts in say mainframe, we have other efforts. So, so you can do all these managed services of your legacy applications because customers could not migrate, right? There was some organization that is like, I still have this three-year kind of contract sitting on mainframe or this, you know, this specific vendor, what do I do about that? For them specifically was that we created these offering of bare metals and then managed partner services. And then we put them into a mini data center right next to our big data centers because we can't allow like third party, you know, devices, boxes or platforms into GCP. So we, in order to deliver like really Google-like experience, we created these, you know, say separated buildings where you can bring in that kind of legacy infrastructure. So we have, we have done all of that work so that we don't just become that company, which is like, hey, we will move you to containers and GK is the only thing to do. We have looked holistically across all three dimensions and we have discovery tools. We work with them. We have migration tool, either to application you know, modernization or to just migration. And that's how we kind of that is getting more and more trust for us with customers versus like if it was a couple of years ago, you know, a lot of customers and even analysts used to think that Gartner, you know, Google only talks about containers. You guys don't know how to do that legacy migration or application. But now we have a whole ecosystem of offerings for our customers. And if I allow you either to dream or maybe share with us a bit about where do you see technology evolving in the next three to five years? What's the future of technology? Where, where are we heading to? On the infrastructure side, there is a convergence first at the hardware platform level, which is compute is coming. Compute is already at the you know, network interface level. We call that smart NIC, right? So that is that happened long time back. You can offload everything, almost everything with your, that you're running onto a smart NIC that can have like, you know, say sidecar, a model of a processor that could be ARM processor or like say, you know, typically ARM processor or something else. Mm-hmm. So that happened first, which means like, you have optimized for compute. So let's say that, let's just say that. And then if you can run your encryption and your keys and your offload, everything right at the network layer, then you have also optimized on encryption speed and network and all of that. And then if you can do a segmentation, right? So next one is segmentation, you know, SDN, which used to be a control plane and data plane separation. If let's say you take it a next level and you call it real network segmentation, then you can also segment right at the nuclear, right? So you have network segmentation and then you have compute and networking together. But then the recent trend is the data also, you know, the data plus compute convergence as well. So the trend towards like what some, you know, people, some people call like DPUs, you know, data processing units. So where you can do large amount of data processing, you can get all the benefits of the segmentation and network at the highest speed all of that together. 
And then you just use one API and you can deliver a high performance compute. If I can run, let's say a car, an autonomous car, or if I can do even at the same time, all this gigantic or you know gigantic amount of data processing, right? Uh, embarrassingly parallel information or like uh, applications that are like, you know, very, there are applications that are very dependent, like, you know, on the like using data from, you know, data from different sources. So if, which is kind of, you know, traditional model of HPC to this new model of HPC. So like drug discovery, computer aided engineering and EDAs, if you can bring in all of their data, high performance compute onto cloud, which is actually a massive size industry, to this newer kind of you know, computing, uh, cloud native, uh, say, industries, which are newer healthcare companies, right? Or newer fintech companies, you know, in, which are in capital investment and insurance and all kinds of banking. So this convergence required data, compute, networking, all of that to come very close to the, where the data is, right? Where the storage is. So that is one convergence which has happened last year. So, and then we have also made some announcement in HPC, HPC sector. And as I said, both modernized cloud native as well as traditional. So that's one convergence that has happened. And the other convergence is like, you know, at the services level, right? At the application up level. So that's where, which is more to address the needs of say application config as a code, right? Or application as a policy. So our driving policy as a code or driving consistent API or application experience regardless of where you are. So that needs to happen. And from wherever. What does wherever means? So if I'm on my phone, right, I don't need to be using, I shouldn't be using a different a way of securely connecting to my application in cloud, right? Today, most of the time, if you need to access your enterprise application or your businesses, you need to have most likely a laptop or some device which is kind of stable and you can download a bunch of kind of plugins and way of connecting to your enterprise. But then moving on to a single, you know, clientless connectivity model, which is something like, you know, we have, we have like say beyond core, we have and clientless connectivity to any application with a model called beyond core, which you can put on your phone or on your laptop. So that is another convergence, right? So where your DNS, your identity, your you know, in security, your how do you validate, like, you know, validate your identity going back to that. So if you can combine all of that from a connectivity, that is kind of one trend, clientless, secure, clientless, secure connectivity, and which is policy driven based on your organization policies and where DNS and that kind of word is converging plus infrastructure. And now all of that, the access to an infrastructure from anywhere is coming together with something called SASE, right? You, if you would have heard those terms, like you know, and that's kind of one. And but our vision of bringing that, we are calling that network as a service. So network as a service will bring and converge all of these things together to get access to the infrastructure that I described. So bunch of kind of things, but I think, but primarily, I feel as I started in the beginning that the trend is because people want to be accessing services from anywhere securely, clientless. That trend, and then on the infrastructure side compute storage networking coming together for driving any kind of application, even if it is traditional HPC application. So these two trends are kind of driving most of the innovation in my opinion. What keeps you excited in work? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm super excited <laughs> everything that I do here. So I think being, um, being in uh, 
Google, like I was say, as I said, like I'm very fortunate that I work for a company that is so global, and uh, it's just cloud is at a place like you know, especially Google Cloud. Uh, I joined at a time where we were just we have been just growing, and growing just doesn't mean that like you know growing in terms of people, but see business processes. How do you contract with some specific industry? How do you work in a specific continent, right? Even and then like what are the needs of customers in different industries? As I said, like the pivoting to how healthcare has pivoted, how financial industry has pivoted. And then it's just mind boggling. Like, you know, you, you feel like, wow, I wasn't there 150 years ago when these financials kind of designed this like 100 years ago. But oh my God, now I can actually help them and not just help them. Like they really, you know, all these industries, they really want to do something not just different for the sake of doing different, they have to do it. It is a need. So I feel like, and I tell people a lot of times, like last year, especially when the COVID hit, everything went online, right? And I had so many customers almost every day who were, whether it's in Asia or, you know, or Europe or US, anywhere, every part of the world, they wanted to accelerate their migration to cloud. At that time I felt, and then, you know, being able to help with drug discovery, distribution of that. And a lot of these, you know, these algorithms and testing people were doing for different kinds of change of business patterns. I've been so fortunate to be in the middle of all of that. Like on one hand, I'm understanding how businesses are run, right, every day. Second hand, I'm, I'm seeing that how, you know, geolocation, geopolitical situations are influencing businesses. And then every day we are innovating based on technology and technology and technology. It's just massive. Like, I'm like a kid in a very big candy or, you know, fashion store, maybe <laughs> like, like who is like every day solving so many problems and so, so, so full of gratitude. Like, I'm just very, you know, very thankful for where I am and the opportunity we have. Great. So I will not steal you more from your candy shop and go and enjoy some, uh, some sweets. Thank you very much for uh, joining me. And I hope seeing you face to face in the near future. Yes, definitely. Next time when I come, like my first trip after COVID will be to kind of, you know, in that location. And then I will definitely meet you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Future of Tech. If you like what you heard and want more, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to write to our host, Avishai Sharlin, directly on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.